0: Tony Fulis' baseball hat and Tony Fulis' white trainers are my sole, so responsibility. <laughs> this is not a dream job. This is reality. I am a man and an actor. The best word I can say but uh, will describe this was boom. The Premier League...
1: He's a fraud. Yeah, Nobby Styles. he was football's equivalent to Popeye. Weedy-looking man with glasses and no teeth. And when he walked on that football field, you'd think it was Goliath.
2: It frustrates me, I mean, Martinez lose all that. I mean, it's like Men in Black is. Have you ever seen the film Men in Black?
0: a Ferret head, very much looks like a
2: ferret, doesn't it?
1: Hello and welcome to the football show from Balls I in association with Ladbrokes. A quick reminder to rate and comment if you are going to subscribe to us on iTunes, which is probably the best way to uh, to get this podcast in your phone every week. And if you give us a rating and a comment, you'll be our best friends and we'll talk about you. Um, moving on, in today's show, we are going to find out what it's like to be a Premier League kit man, which is something I've always thought is one of the coolest jobs in sport. And Gavin Cooney... Who is joining me on the podcast here is uh, talking to West Brom's Irish kit man, Aidan Jacko Smith.
3: Yeah, he he, he prefers to go by Jacko. Uh, I didn't ask him, and I think maybe it's poor journalism, or maybe I can just <laughs> dress it up as we'll just leave it as a mystery. Yeah. Um, but Jacko, like all great men of great taste, is a fan of Bowls and he got in touch with us, and absolutely delighted to speak to him. So you can hear go behind the scenes. We'll hear get an inside scoop on Tony Pulis' yeah. baseball cap.
1: Brilliant. That is something to look forward to. We'll also have our Labrook's Bed of the Week, uh, along with a special offer they offered us for the uh, the weekend coming up, and we'll also have pundit watch. There's been some juicy, juicy pundit action uh, as of late, so we will be talking about that uh, in particular. Graham Souness and his comments on the Leicester players. So all that to uh, look forward to on the rest of the show. But before we get into that, we uh, we have to talk about Paul Pogba and Man United again mm-hmm. because Jose Mourinho has come out and. Launched a defence of Paul Pogba Which comes a couple of days after Rio Ferdinand Defended Paul Pogba in the media So everybody's defending Paul Pogba this is what Jose Mourinho had to say
0: It's not Paul's fault that he gets Ten times the money that some players Some very good players uh, Did in the past It's not his fault that some of the pundits They are in real trouble with their lives And they need every coin to survive And Paul is a multimillionaire. It's not his fault Envy is, is, is everywhere and um I'm very happy with, with Paul. The club is very happy with Paul. And I think also a good thing is that because of his personality, he doesn't give a ness to what people say. Straight
1: away I'm just gonna say that's absolute bollocks. Why is uh, as de- like as a defense of Paul Pogba to to bring up it's like it's not his fault. He makes all that money and he would continue to say something about his parents working really hard to feed yeah. three giants. Like yeah. that's, that doesn't come into it. This, But the the two points that I did agree with, and okay. these are literally the two things, the only two things that he said in that entire discussion that I agree with are he says, I'm very happy with Paul. The club's very happy with Paul. Everything else, complete and utter waffle.
3: Okay. Uh, well, let's get into the reason he's defending it because I think we might disagree there. Yeah. Where we do agree is the... Weird defense that Mourinho was on. Yeah, definitely weird and definitely not. In terms of the pundits uh, and all of us criticizing Pogba in the media, which I actually have fall into that category myself, in terms of being envious of all his, all his money. <laughs> of course I'm envious of all his money. <laughs> He's making hundreds of thousands of pounds every week. I'm envious but of Jose Mourinho's money. <laughs> I'm envious of Wayne Shaw's money. I mean, there's players. League 2 players are making a hell, hell of a lot more money we've than I am. From so, so if we're criticising footballers based solely, on, uh, based solely on what they make, yeah. there's a lot, I mean, there's flack to go around on everyone other than Paul Pogba. And now the main critics of Pogba... Now, fair enough uh, that (laughs) Mourinho says that the main critics uh, of Pogba have real trouble with their lives and are struggling. They need every coin they can get. Now, if uh, Mourinho listens uh, to this podcast or watches Squeaky time, which we assume that he does, that's a fair point when it makes when he makes it in relation to my criticism. But Mourinho's problem is that Frank Lampard has been quite a relatively vocal critic of (laughs) Pogba. And Lampard's—he's not in any real trouble with his life. No, he's doing. He's a multimillionaire. Right. He, he owns Imagine. half of London. I mean,
1: he did just come back from the MLS. Yeah. Like, wow. So that makes no sense either. No. Um. Like my biggest problem with this whole with the Paul Pogba debate, and like, do I understand why people are criticizing Paul Pogba? Yes. In big matches, particularly, which is the ones where all the focus in, he's been crap. He was crap yes. against Chelsea. He was crap against Liverpool. What I feel is being harsh on Paul Pogba. Is that he's like what I said? Mourinho's happy with him. Man United fans are happy with po- what Paul Pogba has done this season. Well, he they? hasn't been the, yes. Well, he hasn't been the best player, right? Man United's player of the season is Lata Ibrahimovic.
4: Yeah, give him the award. I'll now. give it's
1: you done. that. Yeah. The next two players in the running for Man United's player of the season are Antonio Valencia and Ander Herrera. Oh like, jeez, they're two. Okay, and three, so yeah. they're the top three. Yeah. right? If you take them out of the equation, Paul Pogba's was right up there with the next. And the thing you're going to say straight back to me is eighty nine. Eighty nine million, million pounds. But here's the thing: Man United haven't gone hmm. Paul Pogba's worth £89 at, at Juventus we can get him for that let's, let's outlay that money let's set aside let's sell a few people and get him they've literally just gone we want Pogba back it was a mistake to sell him we want him back in our team we need a midfielder we're going to pay whatever Juve yeah. wants You go, go £89 million and no, I go yeah fine let's do it and because they, they know the one point. that it's like United no, can afford to pay that much on a player you're only worth what a club is willing to pay for you. There's a cliche. Okay. Um, no, and, well, like and, United, and United have decided, this is how much we're going to spend on him. We're going to bring him back. not for He wasn't brought back to come in and be main man straight away. That's what Ibrahimovic was brought in to do, and he has done. Paul Pogba will be a top, top quality player. When he was signed, the main criticism was, he's not worth 89 million. He's not that player. Yeah. Yeah. So now that he's been signed, that doesn't make him that player. It's the same criticism that we saw last summer in the Euros, except just longer and more drawn out. And now the the fee that we said shouldn't be used as a as a thing to beat him with is being used as as a thing. To
3: oh yeah, it's a big stick to beat him with. So basically, what you're saying is that Pogba is a solid, decent midfielder. He's had
1: a, de- a good. He's had a good first season, I will say, back at Manchester United. If a good his performances ad, Mikey, are the same on, next it hasn't been a,
3: fr- a good first season. Look. Hold on, I've got I've got my laptop open. We're ask, to a Man- to, uh, ask
1: any Manchester United fan to pick their best eleven for for Manchester United. Paul Pogba is not even a discussion. Like he's in it, he's in the team, he's improved Manchester United. And this is another Has thing he? about Mourinho okay. and Man United in general. Man United are so much better than they were last year. They're still in six, and they've been there for a long time because the start of the season was shite. But Man United are unquestionably better than they were last year under Louis Manga every single are Manchester they? United fan will say there's a reason that are we're saying I mean, Jose are they, playing are they actually, the way that you should are they actually better
3: should? or is it just a kind of a more positive outlook whereas Mourinho gives you an up, an up like Gives you a bit of optimism looking at the future, and he usually wins his league, wins the league in the second uh, yeah. in the second season. And whereas Van Hal it was just kind of this slow drudgery to oblivion of just boredom. Well, I mean, is, are they like definitely. objectively better on the field, or is it just this kind of feeling?
1: It's both. I really think it okay. is both. I think they're objectively better on the field as well. The whole thing is when Mourinho came in, it's like it's going to be difficult. Man United aren't going to title uh, challenge for the title next season. That's what everybody's saying. And then you see the Ibrahimovic signing, the Pogba signing, and some pundits are saying like actually United are in it. Most people would have said top 4 is is good for for united this season after what has happened in the last 3 years. So united are on course for that now. Obviously, you know, you've got Chelsea coming back into it. You've got Spurs. Most people expected Spurs to fall off. I think mm. in our pre-season predictions I was the only person who had Spurs in the top oh, you did, 4. Yeah. Um and even at the time it was like everyone else is improving it's going to be tough for Spurs. But I can't remember what I was going to say now why I started talking about Spurs. But yeah, the expectations were top four, so United are on course. If we win the Europa League, which I think is still the best route of getting to the Champions League, then the goal of the season will have been achieved. Now, Paul Pogba isn't going to be Player of the Year for Man United no. or the Premier League, but it's not. It's not like a one. It's not like a one season thing. You can't write this off as a bad idea or a bad transfer or Paul Pogba being shit in the first year of it happening. Like,
3: yeah, I just, it's a long term thing. I. I Maybe it's a long-term thing. Maybe that's fair enough. But at the same time with Mourinho, he signs Laton Ibrahimovic. Mourinho is probably the least long-term manager yeah. in the Premier League. Even I mean, the other day, he
1: said three years at Manchester United and then if it's going well, I'll look at... Oh yeah, and, and that's like why he, he's the
3: manager that will sign Lata Ibrahimovic because he might score 30 goals and yeah. win you two trophies. Whereas Liverpool wouldn't sanction that signing.
1: Man City probably wouldn't sanction mm-hmm. that signing. Arsenal definitely wouldn't. United didn't used to until Van Persie and then it was kind of like, oh... That's actually a really yeah, good can, idea. We can just actually win things this <laughs> That's year rather a really than good idea. worry about
3: it in five years' time. So, I, with that in mind, I fail to see how Pogba is solely an option for the future. Like, you have to be disappointed with some well, of he's his not, contribution this season. He's not a solely an option
1: for the future. I am disappointed with some of his contribution, in I mean, particular in the big games. But when Man United went on that unbeaten run, it was. I'm trying to remember what the catalyst that kicked it off was. It was a Europa League game, and Pogba had been crap the first couple of months of the season. He had one good game against Leicester where he scored, and he was happy, and everyone was laughing. But Pogba had been crap, and it reached a point in the Europa League, he had a blinder against uh, Fenerbahce. 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 I think Depay played well as well in that game, so you can't read anything into it. (laughs) But after that game, Man United went on that unbeaten run, and Pogba was at the centre of everything. It was the Swansea away game where he scored the... Ridiculous. The screamer, the okay, Yeah. From then on, he played with confidence. He played the, the. Jose Mourinho figured out that you can't put him in a midfield too by himself. He needs Carrick and Herrera beside him. So United played that triangle in midfield, and up until the Liverpool game, Pogba was outstanding. That's why going into that Liverpool game, I was like, Pogba could prove everybody wrong today. He's been in great form, and yeah. he completely shattered. And the that's the one where he dabbed. A, he dabbed in yeah. the
3: penalty in the penalty And he had an absolute penalty. wobbler.
1: Yeah, I f- And that's the thing. Like this, this is like it's not. It's not Pogba's not been great, but he's certainly not been like every time United lose. It's just it's not, it's always the same as well. United lose a big game, Pogba's got missing. It's the same thing that happens with Ozil at um at Arsenal. Yeah. Every time Although Ar- he's, Arsenal, I mean he's he's he has so kind of missing that, like, now thing, that yeah. he
3: can't be found to be criticized.
1: But uh, if we if we look at, at Mourinho's criticism of why people insult Paul Pogba. It's it's they're not it's not because they're jealous of his money. Okay. It's like it's comical the money that he's making. <laughs> I will everybody acknowledges that but guess where football's going. Yeah, okay. But um the reason people <laughs> slag Paul Pogba is because he's a twat. Oh Jesus. Like okay. he is a bit of a twat. Okay. And, like Rio Ferdinand's defense was like he's not actually like that. People misunderstand him. It's like well of course they it's misunderstand the him yeah. because he's like <sighs> like, doing all this ridiculous stuff okay. there in the build of the thing. If you're a fan of Manchester United, you love to see that. Okay. Because Paul Pogba is the biggest influence in the dressing room. Everybody loves him. Everybody gravitates towards him. If you're Liverpool looking at that, you're thinking, look at the state of that thing. <laughs> of course you're going to slag him when he doesn't have a good game. He brings so much heat on himself and he's not the player to deliver on that year. Here's a reference nobody's going to like. Conor McGregor in the UFC. Oh. Right? If, if Conor McGregor loses... To Dustin Poirier, everybody goes, the absolute state of him. Talking the way he does, bigging himself up, and then he goes down. Even the the time McGregor lost to Diaz, look at the reaction that came out of it. People love to slag people who are really brash and confident Mm -hmm. if they don't justify that. And Pogba... You can't say that he's he's if you want if you want to use the justified a price tag argument I don't like it but obviously he's not a £90 million pound player Gonzalo Higuain is at Juventus he's gotten the goals yeah. although if you took Higuain out of that team they would still walk Syria yeah. but he's he's in that echelon if you will I, have, I don't use that word very often on this podcast it's when a nice gonna, little French I'm inflection br- there bringing bring it, on, bring it out for this one with yeah. Popug with being French that yeah. was my intention all along.
3: Uh, Yeah, I I just feel that Pogba needed to offer more, as you said in the big games. I mean, just flicking through the stats. Particularly in the big games. And I think
1: that's as well. You can see he's trying too hard to be... The main man, like uh, no, well, no, he, he's is, not now. This not. is Liverpool at home. This is my uh, stage Hold
3: on a minute now. In the Liverpool game in the first half, he was terrible. He was outshone by Emery Chan, and yeah. kind of the battle of the weird language He was outshone. Yeah, but I mean, he handled in the first half, had a bit of a mare, missed a bad chance. That was. Yeah. It, but he went missing in the second half. He mm-hmm. went
1: missing. So I mean, you can't.
3: You can't then, do the. When the ball, oh, he's trying too hard. When the
1: ball comes into him. It's a drag back, and then he looks up, and then it's another drag back, and it's like he's trying to beat three or four players before I, he plays. I, his I think
3: I think that a lot of you, what have you, what you've said there is kind of fair on Pogba, but what I would seriously dispute the trying too hard thing. I feel that he's actually just gone missing in games, and where he like I does think not that's want a the consequence
1: ball. of trying hard and failing and being like, oh shit. Like this is not it. want the ball. Like, like, against or he'll... Liverpool against Liverpool it was after the penalty that mm. he went missing. The first half he was involved. He had that chance. He was trying to beat several players. It wasn't working out for him. He lost Dejan Lovren on like six corners. So he knew this is an absolute shit show. Second half didn't see him. Yeah. Like that's a direct consequence of that is what I'm saying. He's just, but in
3: the, just in those home draws you know, they've cost United and rather will shoot and then he'll miss and then he'll get to the edge of the box and he'll just pass it sideways to Herrera as if some kind of this is mana from heaven for Louis um, van Gaal.
1: I don't know. He does, try. He, he does try stuff. Like a lot of his assists have been direct, supreme over the top balls Says Latani Ibrahimovic. Mm. He plays that. When he's given time in midfield he'll Dominate any team, but it's when someone like Liverpool or Chelsea, when they pressure him, and they're like, "We're not going to give you the room to do that." He kind of drowns in it at the minute. Is, is the way that I, I want do.
3: to ask you: Do you think that Jose Mourinho is indulging him in a sense? Because yes. I mean, look, yeah. go back, like definitely. So Mourinho went to Chelsea, went to the Chelsea game on Monday, and. Sp- Park the, I mean let's say you parked the bus yeah. I mean and Herrera gets sent off and Mctarion's hook straight away yeah. for Fellaini like in fairness that was, that was, it makes sense yeah. to hook Pogba in that situation completely and leave Mkhitaryan's My the break My biggest
1: problem with Mourinho's handling of uh, Pogba and Ibrahimović is that they are in a category of Manchester United players that can't be substituted and they're the only two and I don't agree with that at all yeah. Ibrahimović should have been taken off against Bournemouth He was on a yellow. He'd missed a few chances. He shouldn't have been on the pitch to take the penalty. Pogba's the same. There's there's games where you see other people coming off and you're like, what? Like, is Pogba's ego that fragile that Jose Mourinho taking him off in the 80th minute is going to see him go for a strop? I don't think it is, but that's... He's mm. definitely given special treatment.
3: It's, ex- it's, it's, it's very, very strange, and I mean, Mourinho has never been afraid to sub anyone off before. Like that's the, it's yeah. so strange. It is. I think even even Ronaldo. I think at, at Madrid, I think he he was happy enough to take him off on yeah. an occasion, and he's had it popping him before. I find that bizarre, but it is Paul Pogba's birthday today. So we're going to move on very yeah. yeah. slightly. Happy birthday, Paul! <laughs> happy birthday, Paul! <laughs> <laughs> and I do want you to uh, to read out uh, uh, Mirror Football have uh, oh, picked God. seven presents that Manchester United fans uh, might want to give Paul Pogba for his birthday. Uh, now, uh, if you are just listening to this podcast, you are unaware that we are videoing this as well. So ideally, we'll get the camera trainer, Mikey Trainer, uh, to react as I uh, go through the seven things that the Mirror, that the Mirror believe uh, United fans should buy Paul Pogba for his birthday. Dancing lessons. Yeah. Uh, vouchers for his local hairdressers, because uh, he gets his hair cut. Uh, and then they begin throwing shade. Some shooting boots. Oh. Uh, and then, here we go, videos of Roy Keane. I'd agree with that one And too. videos of Paul's goals well, He's
1: seen a lot of Paul's goals uh,
3: A dartboard Because I think he <laughs> Has played darts once uh, And some Star Wars stuff uh, Because the mayor have <laughs> Dug up an Instagram picture Of Paul Pogba With some kind of Cloth on his head And apparently looks a bit like Obi-Wan Kenobi So happy birthday Paul Pogba um, um, By the way yes. uh, wow. While Mourinho is treating Pogba A bit strange He's back otherwise I mean, they, the irrational defence oh, yeah. of Pogba. This is it. And like, he's the prick that we all knew, yeah, knew he was. Yeah,
1: there you go. And it's like, and that's and that that's the... Man United fans have secretly missed, not secretly, have openly missed <laughs> other teams hating them over the past couple of years. And Mourinho is, when, you know, United are in sixth and they're not worrying uh, the, the title frame, it's nice to have a manager that'll come out and say something absolutely ridiculous and just be like, oh, that is typical Mourinho. He's... Perfect match for Man United. He is. Yeah. It, it, it works well. But no, like this is this is the Mourinho we, we we were used to. He'll come out and he will say whatever he wants mm. in in defence of his players. <clears throat> it's an us against them mentality and he's kind of United have needed that because in the last couple of seasons it's been us against us and fans are not happy with what they're seeing on the pitch. You can see the players are looking at each other and just kind of like, You're not gonna try and get us out of this. So why am I helping? And it's just been a shit show. Mourinho is Definitely moving things in the right direction. Yeah,
3: so he's ta- he's had a pop of Chelsea fans. Uh, they were ch- they were chanting Judas Adam on Monday night. Surprise uh, when yeah. they have somebody who win four Premier Leagues for them. I'll be number two for this moment. Judas as in "I am number one." Um, and he's he had a pop in Michael Oliver, classic Mourinho backhander. The Michael Oliver is a referee of fantastic potential, uh, which is outstanding. Uh, but
1: Michael Oliver got speed lines in his hair. I'm sorry, uh, that, that, that he's past the point of redemption. Uh,
3: but Mourinho has also been having a wee, well, Mourinho, someone close to Mourinho has been having a wee bit of a pop at United themselves. Yeah, this is now F- Ferguson. I like Ferguson didn't often do this either, where he'd have you know when things aren't <coughs> going his way within the club. Now it's a different beast. United today. It's kind of a more unwieldy, bureaucratic thing Where there's a lot of people above Mourinho Doing different things Not involved in the football side mainly But uh, nowhere near the kind of autocracy that Ferguson ran um, But he had a bit of a pop So there's a very well-sourced story in the Daily Record By David Macdonald today um, the daily record the Scottish newspaper uh, there was a there was a jet that was meant to be uh, that was organised to take the United squad back to Manchester after the Chelsea game it was late it was delayed on the continent it's going to be about four hours late so they just took the bus back to Manchester that means that they were really late to go back by 4am on Tuesday morning the Rostov game is on Thursday so this that was the main hook for this story but there's another yeah. oh, couple of interesting things thrown in uh, there have been complaints of penny pinching over replica shirts and tickets for first teamers injured players have been prevented from undergoing rehab where at the club's multi-million pound training facility for health and safety reasons Uh, and then uh, Article also quotes a United source rarely enough you'd see these actually quoted uh, asking are Manchester United still a big club things like
1: this make it look like a very small one (coughs) the answer to that question is no Manchester United are a tiny club and the entire place has fallen in and it's a steaming pile of rubble now <laughs> um, but in reality they all sound like things that Roy Keane would be very very angry about yeah. so I'm perfectly happy for Jose Mourinho to be angry about those things Okay, um, like if if that's true that's sh- shocking for him really There's, it, like the arrangements were for a jet to bring them back because they don't have enough time for the next game and that didn't happen like that's I ah, in the weather like. that's a bad <laughs> joke Mourinho
3: doesn't quite control the weather okay. anyway
1: well yeah well if it was the weather then pipe down but, um, <laughs> and, and like the jerseys and uh, tickets thing is just all very dream team, and then you know the injuries. That's a weird one as well. So yeah. it, it's interesting. But yeah, so basically we're dealing with the Mourinho we've always known and loved. We're dealing with our oh well loved now. Is, is yeah, a generous well, it's a love hate thing. Of it's it. lo- it's okay. a love hate thing. Let's move on. We um, should. We probably should. We've talked about this for a very long time. Yeah. Sorry, Stephen, the video man wants to go home. I think, <laughs> uh, yes. So
3: I've yeah. been chatting. I've got a behind the scenes look. Uh, one of the Premier League's top half clubs at the moment, West Bromwich Albion. Uh, I was chatting uh, to their kit man yesterday evening, Aiden uh, Jacko Smith, uh, Jacko as he prefers to be <laughs> known. So I'll stop rabbiting on and let's get straight into the interview, in which I began by asking him how he got involved as West Brom's kit man.
0: Um, I was working in Umbro, in the uh, mid two thousands was it, and John Courtney, who's the owner of Umbro, obviously Umbro sponsored the FAI, and John got me involved with the Irish Under nine teams. And I was with the under-19s for about five years until I left Umbro. And during that while, working with the under-19s, there was a guy called Andrew Hussey, who was working with the FAI. Andrew went down to work at West Brom. And when I left Umbro, I went to work in Macron with Johnny Fallon. And the kit man in West Brom gave him three-month notice. And they were struggling to get somebody. Andrew rang me and said, listen, stick your CV over and I'll have a look at it. And I'll get the relevant people to have a look at it. So I stuck a CV over, mentioned the clubs I worked with, mentioned the FAI, went over, done two interviews, and I'm here three years and a month, I think, at the moment. So,
3: Brilliant. Uh, I, I didn't mention at the beginning, but it won't take a detective to find out from both your accent and the mention of the FAI, that you are from Ireland originally, from Dublin, is it?
0: Yeah, yeah, from Dublin, yeah, from Santry, in Dublin, yeah.
3: Uh, so let's talk about uh, the day-to-day, like what's in... We'd love to get an insight as to what's involved uh, in being a Premier League hitman. So from a day to day in the training ground, and then also on match day.
0: Okay, day to day to day would be say <clears throat> so you play Saturday, so normally we're off Sunday. You would be on Monday, going about half eight. All the kit would be laid out for the lads. You get it all laid out. You get the balls done. You get the bibs ready for training. All the get everything ready for the gaffer to go training with the lads you'd go out, you'd get my hand get in the balls, whatever he was doing, mannequins moved, poles moved, whatever. Um, come in, some lads then would need kids to the gym, some lads would go to the pools, some lads would be going to get a rub, medical, that kind of crack. And then we also not long do we have the first team with the final ground, but we've got the twenty ones and the 18s as well. So that you've got roughly seventy five players and about twenty five staff to look after.
3: And um, it's your and it's your job to have the kind of bespoke gear ready for them every morning.
0: Oh I, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. Like for the first team staff come in, like before we leave in the evening, everything is laid out because the gaffer likes coming in about half six in the morning. You no know, me, not a chance. I'm like I'm in at half six in the morning, <laughs> so everything's laid out for like everything's laid out for the gaffer in to them. and So they they want for nothing. Everything's put out for them, and it just myself and a lad called Gareth Trevor, who's been here about five years, and between the two of us, we look after the first team and a good team in Ferneston. Everything works okay, you know.
3: Yeah and then I guess talk to me what a match day is like maybe maybe at home first and then Um, talk to me about any differences away from home Yeah
0: no match day what we do is normally what we uh, on a home day Friday would be a normal day and after after everyone goes we would get the, the jerseys that the players would have swapped the previous week we put the badges on them, put the names on them, put the numbers on them, make sure every player would have two shorts for every game. And obviously, they'd have a blue jersey, so there'd be actually be a bag of blue jerseys, which would be about 20, the squad of 22. So we carry 22 jerseys out onto the bench with us. Um, we would get all the kit ready, pack it up on the Friday evening, come in Saturday morning for breakfast, head down to the ground at about 10 o'clock. Take us another an hour, 10 minutes to put it all up. Gaffer comes in at 11 o'clock he'd have his gear, he'd go into his office and then he'd just put around getting the balls pumped up, getting the numbers board charged up for the referee, make sure there's towels in the referee's room, water, bits and pieces like that. And suddenly the players would start coming in from say one o'clock, the only are in about quarter past one, but the players will come in take from half twelve to one o'clock and then they will come in and drink and drab, wet a bit of telly in the dressing room, get rubs, put on their gear, some of them might change studs, some of them might want different things, you know, so, yeah, and then hopefully go out and get three points you know?
3: yeah absolutely and this is a very specific question uh, are you responsible for the transport of Tony Pulis' baseball hat
0: Tony Pulis' baseball hat and Tony Pulis' white trainers are my sole sole responsibility <laughs> it, in fairness to the gap of, we have a about um <clears throat> we have about four or five baseball hats. So Okay. He, he thinks he gets the same one. He, he thinks he gets he, he does get the same one every week, but if we can't find that one we kinda give him a substitute one then.
4: Uh, okay. As long as he
0: thinks it's the same one, he's okay. They're the same <laughs> trainers by the way, they're washed every two weeks, they're spotless, trust me.
3: Oh okay. Oh well that's 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 it's, good to it's, see it's Tony saving one. a bit of money there. It's he's the not same. like I, uh we were reading... Who is, I think it's John Terry, gets new football boots every single day or for every game, maybe even every training probably, session.
0: Probably for every game,
3: yeah. Yeah. Is there anyone, you don't have to name names, obviously, if it puts you in a compromising position. Is there anyone at West Brom a little bit precious about, about their kit? Uh,
0: yeah, every one of them. All the players are in front, especially on match day, because match day they're in their little, they're in their psyche, they're in their zone, so everything has to be 100%. Everything is numbered from their, bicycle shorts to the tops they wear under their shorts, to their underpants, everything is numbered. Everything is the same as it was last week. It's the same size. They'll all have their own little specific guards Some of them will have their own little specific traits where they might want their boots stretched before a game or and then again certain players want to sit in certain certain areas of the dressing room, you know? Okay. So it's 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 it's, it's not just throw a kit down wherever you feel like it, like everything is kind of Everything's done for a purpose. Everything's done for a reason. So when they come in on match days, everything is the same with the dressing room. Every same, every home game, their kid is identical. You know.
3: Yeah, and this is a very general question, Jacko. But what do you love most about the gig?
0: Um, going to the fantastic stadiums like Anfield. Me being a huge Liverpool fan, Old Trafford, fantastic. All the big clubs. Like when you're going down you know, and you're playing Chelsea on a Monday night, and you're out on the pitch warming up and. Costa might be beside or something and the ball will go past him and you'll get it and you'll kick it back to him and you kind of just laugh to yourself you're yeah. kind of Jesus it, it is really happening you know but, uh, no it's great like you, you're meeting especially meeting Irish players like I, I worked with the Irish on the 19's for a couple of years and the likes so of Harry Arthur I met him a couple of weeks ago um, James McCarthy last week do you know what I mean like you, you're meeting players that you haven't seen in a couple of years the, the, I remember Harry Arthur coming in when he was playing with Charlton coming in when Sean McCaffrey's 19's when yeah. he was only a kid like now, 10 years later, Harry's playing in the Premiership and he's a, a Senior International Cup. And it's fantastic to see players like that. And you have a chat and you have a laugh and you go over. Even Sam Allardyce a couple of weeks ago, I I played against Sam in 91, I think it was, for home farm. Oh, wow. And I, I reminded him to him after the match. and see, like Even though we got beaten and he took time and we were standing there and we he was talking about Father Joe G- Yo Young and how he really, really loved his time down in Limerick.
4: Yeah.
0: And we were just having a laugh and then you walk away and you just say to yourself, Jesus, is that really... I mean, you just sometimes you just you, know, you you enjoy the moment you, I, I love being here absolutely love being here it's, it's just a fantastic place here,
3: it? yeah it's so great to hear like this those little communities even if English football has become this wild commercial beast it's pretty cool to hear that those communities still persist and in terms of Irish players you have
0: oh, uh, So go ahead we've, we've James McCarthy and Mark Wilson and we've three Northern Ireland players we've Gene Edger Garrett McCauley Chris Brunt and Johnny Evans um, we've Darren Fletcher, who's half Irish, even though he plays with Scotland. He's a smashing smashing by yeah. the you
3: know? Yeah. Yeah, uh, we understand that Darren Fletcher is a bit of a Gaelic football fan. I think he was, he's been spied in All yeah, Ireland. He
0: was over at, he was over at the All Ireland last year. He missed a replay, but he was over with his dad, Robert, for the first game, yeah. Big Mayo fan. He's from Mayo. With, his mum's from Mackle. Oh, right. He's from the Jackal Islands, you know. Yeah. And does big, he, big Irish roots there, yeah.
3: Does he share the eternal despair of Mayo fans over
4: here?
0: Uh he does does absolutely, absolutely <laughs> he's a big Mayo fan selection for us though. Big big Mayo fan, you know.
3: Yeah, and obviously the other but,
0: like, e- even James McLean, like me and James were having a bit of like me and James would have a laugh. Like I type with Finn Harps in the mid nineties and James was a big Terry fan oh, of course. Harps beat Terry last year and I think it was the first game of the season and you can have a bit of banter like last week last week James was her scored for Waterford and I was texting him and then he says to me, he, he actually got included in the 11th for the first time in a while against Everton and he was going to say, it'd be nice to make it a, a family double with the two lads scoring, you know. So yeah. there's, there's always a bit of banter, there's always a bit of crack there, you know.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And obviously you get to go behind the scenes at all these clubs and you probably get up close and personal with... Uh, we've accessed
0: m- we, ac- we, access all areas to every ground, except the way, obviously the way dressing them. Yeah. But like we've, just, just like we basically like we got to Man's, City and normally you'd meet their kit man before the match. he would bring you in. You'd have a bit of tea. Like it was like last week. We went. I was in the Everton media lounge before the um, the game on Saturday, and we went in with the Everton kit man, Jimmy, lovely fella. and he went in, then got got a bit of grub, sat down. James Coleman was in, sort of that was tickets to bits in pieces. And yeah, you like, you basically are like you. are There's very very few places that you can't go to, you know. Yeah. And then have
3: you got to spend much time with, you know, the big, big managers that would f- endlessly fascinate the likes of us, the Klops, the Mourinho's, the, the Guardiola's? No, no,
0: no, no, like, no, like, you, you wouldn't, I, 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 the, I met Brendan Rogers when he, he came down a couple of years ago when he was Liverpool manager, because again, and this is where the, the FAI is fantastic, like, the young lad, Anton Brendan's young lad, yeah. he's at Swindon now, I think, he played, he played between the 17s and under-19s with Sean McCarthy. So you were able to kinda of go, Oh, hi, Brendan and then have a bit of a chat with him about his young friend and then kinda of start talking to the Liverpool manager as it was then, you yeah. know I mean? Like again, I met Chris Hutton when he was manager in Norwich and his young lad Keen, who was at Spurs he played with the Irish in the nineteen. So it's a good way of getting in and getting a bit of a chat with them and yeah, some of them are like uh, uh, obviously they're, they're busy men on my state they're not going to be spending too much time with the opposition. But no, it's nice, like when we play Southampton, I'm again being a huge Liverpool fan, Sammy Lee was there, and you'd be talking away about football and about you kind of go, like, Jesus, Sammy Lee, can you start to me? You know what I mean? Yeah. But, well, I said, it's, it's, it's great. You, 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 you say a lot of them in that, like they're not going to If you want to have a chat and you know the way you're chatting them before, you're caught for a couple of seconds, but normally they're busy and the obviously the interviews and teams to prepare for the game, so Yeah. Their time is precious, you know. Uh,
3: and in terms of the facilities, obviously you've got you've got you've got to see pretty much every inch of every Premier League stadium at this stage. Who's of yeah, which yeah, clubs yeah. um facilities would stick out the most in your mind?
0: Um <clears throat> I hate to say this but being a Liverpool fan, Al is absolutely amazing to go to. <laughs> absolutely amazing. No, it is, it is. I, I thought I'd never say that. Geez it Darren Flatcher is this you know, absolutely haunt me, because obviously you have been a big United <laughs> fan for them. Now, Old Trafford, like, when you walk out on Old Trafford and match day, like it's, you feel as if they're one of the players, you know, the, the 70,000 people, like, basically you yeah. the big, big kid. Do you know what I mean? You're working for West Bromwich Albion, which is an absolute fantastic club, and we got 25,000 yeah. at a home game. And when it rocks, it rocks. But when you walk out to Old Trafford and 75,000 people, they're not screaming for me, or uh, West Bromwich screaming for Man United, but it's just... It's fantastic. Arsenal as well. And it's the way you get treated by the clubs. Again, we go to Arsenal, fantastic. Manchester City, Liverpool, all the big. They're, they're great and they look after you. And they go, OK, Jacko, yeah, how many balls do you need for warming up? Yeah, 15. Yeah, give me two sex. There's your balls. Yeah, what's going on? Do you want to go to a bit of club? Yeah, no problem. Give yourself for 20 minutes. Yeah, oh, everything is really, really. They can't do any more for you. And that's why when the big clubs come to us, we go out of our away to make sure everything's okay for them and see what they need And because you never know when you might need a favour. I could turn up and forget cones and might need to go to Vic or Arsenal and say, listen, Vic, I forgot the cones and he'd sort you out, you know, so you you got to keep in with these people. You
4: know? Yeah,
3: th- and that brings me on to my next question. Have there have you had any kit-related disasters turning up to a ground without anything of importance?
0: No. No, because... Um, I'd won in pre-season. You can't in match days because you can't have a desire. Every game, it's not like oh, this game isn't on television. Every game is live on television. But yeah. like Alan Matthews texted me last week and told us that our game against Everton. There's no Sky games at three o'clock on a Saturday in, in, in England can be shown can be shown live. And I didn't know that the game was being shown. And then I seen one of the Sky interviewers that normally does the games and I kind of went, then hmm. Alan texted me. And then I seen him t- talking to Tony Value because Tony Value was in there with his young lad last week. And yeah, so... Obviously, that was on Sky, but no, you can't, it's, you can't. Can you imagine going and forgetting a player's jersey or forgetting, I forgot, we played Swindon, actually, in a pre-season last year. Okay. And I it was funny, I had a goalkeeper shirt, my Myhill was coming down, and he was the only one with no sponsor on the front of his shirt. And I thought, oh, Jesus. And what I was, I'd done was, I had a blood jersey with a sponsor and no name. So it was either having Myhill 13 on the back and no sponsor, or a response from the front, a no-name or number on the back. So I ran into the club shop in Swindon and just got a Myhill 13, and that was completely different because there was a First Division side or Championship side or whatever it was, and I just banged it on, and we got away with it. But again, pre-season, clearly, not too sure much would have been said. if Maybe there would have been more said than no-name and number, but yeah. the sponsors might have kicked off if there wasn't a sponsor. But now on match days, you've, you've got to be on the ball because it's just... There's so many, there's so many things that go wrong. You have a checklist. Everything is done. Like my right Thursday night will be the exact same. You'd work late on the Thursday. You do bits and pieces, and then Friday you do certain bits and pieces, and you're no going in. You know, I, if something went wrong in a home game, you'd be okay because you can go back to the training ground and get bits and pieces. But in away game, we always do. We always travel the night before in the away game. We do the drill. like last week we went to Goodison Park. I arrived at Goodison Park five o'clock on Friday. Went to the dressing room. Went back to the hotel. So if we're missing boots or we're missing shin or I miss say fuzzy's gloves or someone's jersey like that, at least then um, you could either go back to the training ground or be media people coming up to the ground the next day could get it for you. little things like that. But them. now you tend to be kinda of, you tend to overcover yourself. Yeah.
4: Not-
0: rather, than, rather than forgetting something, I probably use thirty percent, thirty five percent of the stuff that we bring.
4: Okay. A lot of
0: stuff we bring is, a lot of stuff we bring is just for the emergencies like extra stuff for the staff for train for in in case it lashes out of the heavens when they're out with the pitch before the match but then the staff can't sit on the bench for the next ninety minutes in wet gear so they'll always have to have fresh kiss and you know I mean you always try and think of the unexpected like you sometimes you probably think too much and you start thinking like Jeez what if this happens, what if that happens but you've always got to be prepared because you never you never know what's
3: going to happen you know yeah absolutely you mentioned Texan Alan Matthews and it kind of brings brings you back to your to your playing career Uh, you you played for a whole host of clubs uh, throughout the League of Ireland I think you moved into coaching there Uh, what kind of player were you Jacko? I
0: was a goalkeeper Okay. It wasn't a very good one because I, sp- I spent about 13 years in the 4th Division. <laughs> I couldn't get out of the 4th Division. The closest we had was a penalty shootout against um when Shane Cullen actually was in golf I think it was 95. All right. right. With Finn Harps. But um, now i played all my career in the 4th Division. Really enjoyed it. I played all Alan Matthews in Longford when, uh, after home firm. So that was when Dermot Keely was down there. So we well, had good days. It was it was enjoyable. Like, and then there's Longford, I think it was two and a half, three hours to get to, whereas now you get to Longford Road, they're better, it's a, it's a lot easier, you know. But no, really, really enjoyed it, absolutely. And you meet great people, and luckily I was working in the sports business with Pro Team or Kelly's Kids, as it was then in Capel Street in the late 90s, and then I worked in Umbro, then I worked in Nike, and then I worked in Macron, so it was, Everything's been sport, from, from nine to five was a sports environment, and then training afterwards, and weekends was football, so it was always. Football was always a big part of it, you know.
4: Yeah,
3: absolutely. And I think at Longford Town, and please correct me if I'm wrong here, at Longford Town, kind of the turn of the century, you were a player, and I think you were under-21's manager as well, where, and Stephen Kenny was at yeah, the club then?
0: Yeah, with, yeah, when Stephen Kenny came down. I actually, I actually played a couple of games with home with Stephen, would you believe it? All right. And, um, yeah, no, I knew Stephen, yeah, and um, <clears throat> I was in, I was just doing, uh, I was basically at cover for Stephen O'Brien and just under-21 manager, which I really liked, yeah. And now we're also even a long time, yeah.
3: yeah. And in terms of like Kenny's success, has, has been consistent throughout the League of Ireland, but he's hit more headlines uh, with Dundalk in the European yeah, run. Yeah, absolutely. Does that, I guess that wouldn't surprise yeah, you at all, fantastic.
0: would it? no, absolutely not. No, absolutely not. He's been absolutely fantastic and, and absolute credit to the League of Ireland. And, and, and even when you see players in our address in master last asking us about Dundalk and they kind of going like international players, like thinking like Dundalk, and you go, yeah, yeah, like wanting to know about some and, and players that they have. And now when you see the Dundalk players that are down like <clears throat> Daryl Horgan and Andy Boyle, again, two X on the 19 players. Like, two one of the 19 players that to our country is absolutely amazing, you know. Richie Tell, another one. And um there's three Dundalk players who have come over and done really well, and Darren Hawkins talk talked about hit, hit, hitting the ground running, has done absolutely fantastic and an absolute lovely, lovely fella. Really, really nice kid. Yeah,
3: and do you get, and obviously you're based in England now with the West Brom job. Do you get back? Do you get back to Ireland often?
0: Um, no, I try and get back on the international breaks. I got back to watch Longford last year, and the game was called off oh, no. was against Bray. I think it was the first. Of, I know I was sitting there going, oh, "No, no, this isn't happening," you know, because um, obviously I've got. I'm separated now but I've, I've got two grown up kids James and Matthew that live in Longford and a big Liverpool and Longford town fans. Yeah. so I probably get home with them probably three times a year and then the kids probably come over about three times a year so they're coming over in a couple of weeks for the Liverpool game obviously and they only come over for a couple of days during the summer and then they come over before Christmas so Christmas is tough because obviously Christmas is our busy period and yeah. we've something like seven games in a couple of weeks and trying to get home is just it, it, it's nearly impossible you know. And, that's probably the only downside of it especially
3: when you have kids and that you know, it's, you'd know, like to be with them at Christmas but hey it's you better take the good with the bad yeah I'd say so and we'll finish on you You talk about being a big Liverpool fan what are you I guess your emotions are quite conflicted when Liverpool Liverpool come to the Hawthorns and you go to Anfield what's it like sitting on the West Brom bench with Jurgen Klopp going mad beside you do you feel would you get away with celebrating a Liverpool goal is that a stupid question probably is now that I've heard it back
0: <laughs> it's an absolute horrendous question to ask <laughs> um, no when we when Liverpool play West Brom I'll, 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 at the end of the day I've got to be 100% behind my stomach out and yeah. I want uh, a West Brom win and nothing else yeah. I'd love a draw because then I'd be half a little bit happy but I know the gaffer would be going mad he'd want us three points for them no it's at the end of the day when like a, it, it's, a, it, it's everything it's a profession that's just based on results and results nothing else matters than this in this league, it's results. Like I said, I went to watch Liverpool against Burnley, and I thought they were horrific. <laughs> but they came away with three, they came away with three points. Yeah. And I'm sure Mr. went in afterwards and had his glass of Vino and maybe his little slice cigarette or whatever he has, and he was absolutely thrilled to get the three points. And great the same. Like it's, I know I'm a Liverpool fan, and every week I'd love I want Liverpool to win, but there's two weeks a year like I want them to win, and that's 100%. Yeah. I want West Brom to win, you know. And it was funny last year I brought the kids over. Uh, at Christmas time. Sorry, not last year, the year before last Christmas. And we were two one up until six minutes into injury time and Milana hit a shot and it reflected off Big Swede Jonas and went into the roof of the net and Liverpool drew two all and my two kids <laughs> my two kids were in the West Bram away and and they couldn't jump up and scream and they said to me afterwards, Dad don't you ever bring us over here again unless <laughs> you put us on the cop I've got us a decent ticket. And like, I just laughed at it, you know, and they kinda of, but like, it's kids no, it's I, I guess yeah it's I'm a, You're a fan of football, of course. The biggest thing is, I work with West Bromwich Jaguar. But I'll give you a quick story before we go. We played up in Anfield one of the first times I was there, and Jolyon Lescott was an absolute lovely fella. And Jolyon, being an Everton, I used to always have a bit of banter with Jolyon because obviously he, he played with Everton, you know, mm. and he played Liverpool. And he says to me, I'll try and get you a sleepy jersey. And I said, Geez, that'd be great because obviously every club we go to, like I change with the kit, and man, I say, Do you want a jersey? And you go, Ooh, give gives a side up you know, with Darren Fletcher or, okay. or Johnny Evans or something and I try and get one off them, you know? And uh, that day he couldn't get Steve Gerard's jersey and I was going off you know and I was really, really going mad. Gerard, absolute legend, like as a Liverpool fan. Yeah. Like it's just he's just top top fella, you know. So we came in afterwards, and I, did, I couldn't get it. Gerard gave two away or something like that. And he says, listen, Jack, I'll make sure when we play down, the, down in the times in, in, in our home game, he said, I'll get it for you then. And I said, yeah, thanks, Jolian, no problem, you know. So that game was coming up, and Jolian says, no, I'm not forgetting you this time. I'll get you Gerard's jersey. No problem at all. So I said, that's great, that's great. So when we played Liverpool, it was Gerard's 500th Premier League appearance for Liverpool.
4: Okay.
0: I oh, that, oh, says that's that now. Well, I'm not going to get that, you know. And uh, we drew mill off. and we came in after the match. And uh, Jordan just went here. And he threw it at me, and it was wet and smelly and soggy. And I went, no, not number eight, not a chance. And I turned him inside out. And I'm, like, I'm, not, I'm not being funny. I nearly cried. <laughs> <laughs> Fifty years of age, and I just looked at that. I went, oh man, you know. And uh, I thanked him obviously with a couple of F-words and <laughs> kisses probably and everything else, you know. <laughs> and I went up to the dressing room and I got it sent into the dressing room and he wrote two, Jack, wrote oh, best wishes, Stevie Gerrard on it and it's now framed pride the place in my television room. Wow. Oh, so, yeah. i Of all the Irish ones, I've Shay Gibbon, Philly, I've the Villa, I've a Damien Duff one in Fulham and I have an Ian, Ian Hart in Barnet, when we played them in the League Cup. Ah. I've a, a, a Richard, Richard Drummond signed, QPR and all the lads, there's never ever been a problem, and I've never asked for one that has been refused. So, I've almost 20 Ireland jerseys, yeah.
3: Awesome. Uh, well, Jagger, thanks so much.
0: Thanks so much Sorry. for taking
3: the time and dealing with my awful questioning. I keep on living the dream.
0: You're okay, you're okay. Absolutely, absolutely. And hopefully, we get a couple of wins now we'll get we get back on track, you
3: know. Get double the odds on first goal scorer with Ladbrokes. That's right, if you're winning first goal scorer scores in the opening 20 minutes of selected live matches, then Ladbrokes will double the odds. Available in
0: Ladbrokes shops nationwide. 18 plus terms and conditions apply to louis.net.
1: So exclusive, uh, Tony Pulis's baseball caps are new. I think that's the biggest
3: editorial story to come out of the <laughs> Premier League this season. I mean, is there a more iconic piece of clothing in the Premier League? I don't think so. No. And is there a, been a more iconic expose of a piece of clothing in the Premier League? I mean, you've arguably got, not. You've
1: got to go historical. You've got to go Roberto Mancini's scarf. Okay. Yeah. Actually, on
3: Roberto Mancini, I was reading in a Daniel Taylor at a, a column in the Guardian a few weeks ago about uh, the demise of poor Claudio Ranieri, who we'll get to in a minute. But apparently, Mancini was so precious that he had an assistant hair uh, get a hairdryer to his suit so it would be warm for him to put on after training.
1: Wow,
3: that's the kind of hairdryer treatment they had in the blue half of I love Manchester. that.
1: Now the, the 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 kit man role is 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 like it's something that you always see as the hub of all enjoyment in a team. And when you're looking at these behind-the-scenes footage, it always looks like the best job to have. Because you don't have any of the pressures of playing. I'm sure you feel, you know, the results they dictate how you feel and stuff. But uh, ultimately, it just looks like a lot of crack. And the man they
3: call Jacko absolutely loves it.
1: Yeah, so fair play to him. Um, Our Labrook's Bet of the Week this week is an interesting one, Gavin. What have we got for the people?
3: Uh, Yeah, so Gavin Casey was here last week in your absence. And he actually Mm. nailed the Bet of the Week. um, Mm. Barca to beat PSG with both teams to score. Um, I was, I think, it was around six to four, so it was a kind of relatively conservative bet, but There's we no got room. it um, it's two in a row as well. Now, uh, listeners won't be aware that we recorded that this uh, that podcast only a couple of hours before that game, and uh, then we meandered onto a couple of predictions for the game, and I said, "Oh, they could do it six <laughs> one," and I e- and I do the editing as well, so I, edit, yeah. I listen back to it just before the game. And I was like, "Oh, that sounds absolutely ridiculous!" And everybody <laughs> will be listening to this after the game, uh, so we cut it out. Uh, so sure, that's humiliating. Sure did. Uh, so Gavin is not here this week. He's off in New York battling the snow. Uh, he's off at M- McConnell's fight uh, in New York. So it's come back down to me again. And I've gone relatively conservative again, Mikey. Uh, I've gone for a score draw between Man City and Liverpool on Sunday at ten
1: to three. Oh no, it's been more interesting. Ten to three is more attractive than a six to four. Um, and, and it's going to happen, goals. isn't it? Yeah. Like it's it's going to happen. I mean, I was
3: thinking like City are probably in better form, but Liverpool raise the game, yeah. raise the game for these matches. Um, and the, so we can't, you know, how will that balance off? But the one guarantee in the game is that both defenses are absolutely
1: crap, and there will be lots of goals. That's the Sunday game, isn't it? That's the Sunday at half half four. I think it's yeah, one of those cracking Sundays at three games. Yeah, we're, I think we're doing a squeaky balls time live on Facebook. Squeaky balls time, of course, sponsored by Labrooks. And Labrooks have given us a few uh, very special offers for this weekend's football as well as the midweek Champions League. If you are an early bird and they're offering double odds on your first goal score. If that goal scorer scores in the opening 20 minutes of the following games, Monaco versus Man City. It's tonight. So you got to be early for that one. Uh, Man United versus Rostov on Thursday. Uh, Bristol City versus Huddersfield is the big game on Friday that everybody's (laughs) talking about. Saturday has West Brom versus Arsenal and Bournemouth versus Swansea. Sunday has Middlesbrough versus Man United and Man City versus Liverpool. So if you pick a first goal scorer in that game and he gets you the goal, Inside the first 20 minutes That is double odds That is a sound Sound offer from Labrooks
3: Mikey before we move on To Pundit Watch uh, We're not going to edit This out this week uh, Everybody will know The score of Monaco Man City By the time they're listening to it So what's your score prediction Oh Jesus You've you've on the spot, Sorry, on the spot yeah.
1: There the score is 5-3 to Man City. It's in Monaco. Monaco. I watched Monaco at the weekend. I'm going to extend this now because I have to okay. include this. I watched Monaco at the weekend and I literally I saw them coming up and I was like, oh, Monaco kicks off in two minutes. You know what? I'm going to have a look at this team properly. I'm going to sit down and really see if they can impress me. Four minutes in, they're 1-0 one, one up and they won 4-0 and they're just such a bloody entertaining team to watch. I'm absolutely loving Monaco at the minute. Uh, that said, in Monaco, I think... City can afford to lose In Fortress, Dad, Louis, <laughs> Yeah, packed full of hands <laughs> um, I, think, I think City will lose but go through I think Monaco will win 2-1 Cool, uh, it'll be nil nil No, it'll be 8-all um, <laughs> It's time for Pundit Watch
3: At Ladbrooks, if one team lets you down on your Acca, of five teams or more You'll get your money back as a free bet up to 25 euros Ladbrooks, online, mobile, and in shop. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. on dot Pundit,
1: what?
0: Hello, welcome to Fletch and Sav. The best bits.
1: So, we've been critical of Graham Suness at times on this podcast before, mm-hmm. um, but we, we don't we don't criticize pundits because they're pundits or who they are or anything we, we, we analyse we focus on the punditry and what's being said and if they're talking out of the hoop we're going to talk about them we're talking just taking out of the hoop its merits, but if they hit the nail on the head we're going to talk about them <laughs> hitting the nail on the and head and also come here apparently because we're absolutely <laughs> take terrified. every pundit on its merits <laughs> I'll also come around. here, we're
3: being nice, Graeme Sunez, because we're kind of terrified of him as well. well. everybody is. Um, but Sunez also has a very healthy uh, hatred of modern football yes. and all of its modern footballers. Uh, so he was, on, he was on TV3 last night in the aftermath of Leicester's amazing 2-0 win against Sevilla. Let's hear what he had to say. Uh,
2: Drinkwater said that Shakespeare has simplified things for us.
3: And that's one word we talked about at halftime, simple. It was simple Leicester but, tonight.
2: But they, they won the league playing that way. Hmm? I mean, I I put it firmly at the, at the players. Listen, when you're a manager and you've got you've won the league, are you going to turn up the next season and change things? If it ain't broken, why try and fix it? They would they would have been doing the same training, talking to them in the same way. Preparing for the games the same way, travelling to the games the same way, everything the same. Some of those players at the start of the season believed all of a sudden were big players, were, were, were champions, were big players, and they took the foot off the accelerator and got in a big comfy armchairs and got in a Bentley in the car park and maybe changed their house. They took the foot off the accelerator. What does the manager do then? The manager has a go at some of them, you know, and maybe points that out to them. And then he falls out with two or three of the mm. influential players in the dressing room, and then you've got the followers in the dressing room. And all of a sudden, he's fallen out with most of the dressing room. That's what I believe happened. And and those players that are rejoicing out there and thinking they're back, they're big players again, they'll fall off the perch again, guaranteed, because they've done it once, they'll do it again. They'll let you down again. Ooh,
3: that is the punditry equivalent of flame emojis.
1: Yeah, that no, it's... It, it, to me, I I've definitely never agreed with anything Graham Sinessa has said more. Uh, that's like that. That's exactly how I feel about the the situation. The, it's and interesting it, that he brought up Danny Drinkwater saying that Sh- Craig Shakespeare has made made it simple for them. That's that is li- that is literally everything every Leicester player said about Claudio yeah. Ranieri when he came in and took over from <laughs> Nigel Pearson. It's, they said think. they. I'm paraphrasing here because I. I yeah. It's so I remember literally dealing with this at the time when it came out. Vardy in particular said, Claudio Ranieri, he's like, well, well what has he done? What's the secret? Like, oh my God, look at this tournament. He's like, there is no secret. He's come in, he said, I don't want to focus on the tactics side of things and I just want to <laughs> keep it simple. Like, so like, Claudio Ranieri, basically, I don't know, he came in and said, listen, lads, take it easy, play the way you want to play and then they, they won the league and then they've like, yeah. Well, I, I, I highly doubt Jose, um, sorry, not Jose Mario, Claudio Ranieri has gone alright last season's tactics out the window let's find a new expansive way to play I think in part it's down because they got a bit the, the form it, that is is down because they got a bit carried away with their summer signings I think they made too many and too weird mm-hmm. like you, you can't bring that many players that have never played in the Premier League in and expect them to hit the ground running and Pretty much none of them have. I think uh, Ndidi, who they signed in, in January, has kind of mm. done that. He's actually been really he's impressive. Been grade. He was quality uh, against uh, against Sevilla. He was really really good in Sevilla, and he's had a couple of very good games recently. But the rest of them, the likes of Slimani, um, Amarte in midfield, they signed two people to try and replace. Uh, Golo Kante before cause they signed you know, indeed. that's because two because he is two people but they then they realise that they can't play them at the same time they're yeah. like oh
3: shit yeah I um, mean I think you're letting the players off the hook there I mean they saw these lads coming in and then they're just kind of down to us but with Sunes I think there's two things I want to say on Sunes firstly oftentimes um there'll be games in RTE where teams like win and there's a, like a great atmosphere and absolutely buzzing and it's like it's a quite a joyous mm-hmm. thing to watch and then they'll come back to the RTE studio not on the ground and they'll just kind of take their cold analytical scalpel to it, and their uh, and their anger with the whole modernity of the whole thing, yeah. and just kind of puncture the atmosphere. And oftentimes, the Irish panel, the RT panel, for as good as it has been for so many years, sometimes is at odds with the atmosphere and the yeah. uh, the yeah. mood around a football match. With Sunessi somehow managed to avoid that for I don't know what it was maybe it's because a lot of people hate Jamie Vardy I don't know <laughs> and also with Souness I think that is the piece of analysis that's 90 seconds which probes to the heart of the player that Souness was He like he just hates these players that are yeah. only winners well, when they want to be here's
1: a point that Supports that argument. There's a time when Graham Souness got that wrong. Like the, the, the reason there hasn't been a backlash is like, oh, but the spirit is, is because he's absolutely spot on. Yeah. Um, and that there is a lot of empathy for Claudio Ranieri still lingering, right? But I can think of a time uh, when he didn't get it right, and that was as Arsenal played Crystal Palace and Olivier Giroud scored that unbelievable scorpion kick. Oh, my Graham Sines goes and points out all the mistakes in the defending, and everyone's just like, shut up. It's a moment of absolute genius that no defender can legislate for. And Graham Stynes is here going, well, Fellaini, (laughs) who who was actually uh, Matthew Flamini, should be doing better. He should be getting tired. And even Jamie Carragher was sitting beside him, going like, Graham, come on, mate, Graham. Ah. So, so uh, he can. 100% I, 100% in the RT panel are notorious for doing it. In particular <laughs> in the Champions League when they come back and they're like, yeah, but that's actually not a good win because, you know, modern football is in ruin. But uh, <laughs> this time, Sunez, absolutely spot on the money so fair play to him for that. Yeah. That is all we've got time for on uh, on a very eventful episode of the Balls.ie football show. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Thanks as always to Ladbrokes for, uh, for sponsoring this podcast. A reminder um, that you can get what is it? Double odds if your first goal scorer scores in the first twenty minutes of Monaco v Man City, Man United v Rostov, Bristol versus Huddersfield. Oh, uh, West <laughs> Brom versus Arsenal, <laughs> Saint Patrick's Day, versus Swansea, Middlesbrough versus Man United, or Man City versus. Liverpool. Yeah. Keep an eye out for Squeaky Balls time on your tele on your. We Facebook should say television.
3: that, and I also should say that you should also get in touch and tell us how yeah. bad a job we were doing in this podcast. Rate, you can yeah rate comment on iTunes and subscribe. And that'll get us up to charts and it'll allow a whole load more people to hear this podcast, which we would uh, appreciate greatly. You can also get in touch. You can tweet hashtag the ball bag to us at balls.e E or um, to our personal accounts. So I'm at gcooney93 or mikeyt086. That's
1: correct. If you want to tell me how deluded I am about Paul Pogba, feel free.
3: <laughs> I mean. and how I'm right I'd like to be supported <laughs> on that I was going to email gaffer at balls.a we will be the ball bag live will be returning to Facebook next week other Tuesday or Wednesday so have a look out for that I'm finished plugging Mikey I'm going to get out of here
1: cool well yeah see you later